Hey, Street Fighters, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're here, as always. Feels good to be back. It's the return of the Max to the basement. You got us on the phones earlier this week. If this is your very first time listening to the show, every Sunday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we do take your calls. So something tonight pisses you off or you got something to share, you can call us again this Sunday at 614-412-5252. The number doesn't change until it does, which might be soon. But we'll be taking your calls this Sunday, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We had uh, one of our favorites, Erica, at Chilling Seymour on Twitter, in the studio with us, answering questions, sharing some sagely wisdom about wearing $3 shoes into the creek and not giving a fuck. Um, if you want to hear that, you can go over to streetfightradio.com to hear it. Uh, before that, you heard the New Orleans show. Before that, we were in New York City. We have been not in the timeline, you know, for a couple weeks now, but we're ready to be back and keep doing this. Uh, we are the number one anarcho comedy radio show on any station across the nation. We are here to convince everybody listening to join together and rip apart the government that we have right now and create something that works for the rest of us instead of just the 1% of us. We are Street Fight Radio. You can find us on WCRS. You can also find us on Patreon. If you want even more Street Fight content, you've been listening, you were like, damn, those guys took two weeks off. I really wanted to hear their show. Well, we do have a bonus feed. It's only $1 a month to get that. And $3 a month, you get access to a digital copy of our zine with exclusive writings from Brian, art and writings from myself, and also contributions from street fighters out there in the world across this flat earth. Uh, I'm glad to be back. How about you? I feel great, man. I actually, uh, the basement, it's like, it's like the call-in show's one thing. We did it. We got out of the way. Basement is what it was. It's been a while because we took the basement off a couple weeks ago. We took the basement off two weeks, maybe three weeks in a row, actually, because I think we took it off the week before New York. Then the week after that. Oh, no, that's two weeks. (laughs) It felt like a decade. We should. We'll start. We need to start doing our math before the show. Right. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back. It's good to be back in the basement. It's it's good to be doing an hour show. That call-in show can sometimes get a little exhausting. It's like riding an exercise bike sometimes. Sometimes, it, you know, this week it was fun because this is a long time. Come back to me in three weeks when uh, three weeks, three hours into the show. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> it's It's easy to do, but then when I think about it, I'm like three and a half hours, you know, and I've been farting around for 45 minutes or an hour before, so... That's what we do. Yeah, we get there and we're we're there at ten to start the show on time, but we just have to we just have to sit around. We can't just go from zero to a hundred miles an hour ever. It never happens. It, when we did it on the phone, we talked on the phone for hours before. Now that we do it in the basement, we hang out hours before. And when we do it in the call in we would hang out hours before, but we usually I don't know how Brett does it, but I take a nap at like six o'clock until like eight thirty. So I think about naps. I I love taking that late night, that weird nap where I'm getting up and my wife is just washing her face and getting ready to go to bed. And I'm like seven to nine. Yeah, time to go to work. (laughs) Post dinner doze off. God, if everyday life could be 
like where you work the schedule like that is all it is i talked to this to kitty striker about this on my on the third show i did with her it's like i got my dream job and i have my dream schedule and it's just still like it, it, it it's incredible the whole world wants to fight you to not live your dream schedule. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell the world to fuck off, but it's going to keep moving and it's regularly scheduled times. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can get all my stuff done if I get up at one o'clock every day. It's not like an enormous deal, but I also realize that I'm spending like long hours alone in the middle of the night, like with nobody to talk to because no people don't really stay up that late. Nobody does. Even people that like Brett doesn't stay up till four every morning. He stays up late, not till four. But even then, I wouldn't expect him to. He's got to take a kid to school and all that stuff. I would love to. I yeah, I know you would. I know me and you would probably just hang out every single night till four in the morning if you didn't have to get up, <laughs> because it is like we're the only two people I know that like to stay up until it's just about to get light outside. Yeah, and you're like, all right, all right, all right, all right, I'll go to bed. Yeah. Fine. If birds are up, I'll go to fucking bed my goal is just to beat the sun that's yeah. it i can't once the sun's up it's very hard to fall asleep yeah and, you get in a weird position and then because then you start talking to yourself and you're like i'm just gonna take this day with a zero sleep like i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna power through honey and your and your wife's like you're not gonna power through this you're gonna be a fucking asshole i'm fine i'm fine you want breakfast i'll make breakfast for you i'll show you how fine i am right now <laughs> then at 2 30 in the afternoon you're like can we just like go home and watch movies or something yeah you're laying in the middle of um a fucking garden ridge throwing a tantrum well and you start to feel good about being up in the morning that's something i've noticed about since i've started living my best life schedule is like if i'm up at 10 o'clock in the morning i'm like oh hello what's this this is strange yeah you know? <laughs> you i mean walk over and say howdy to the rooster yeah you you're not like i don't know like i'm starting to believe that that whole thing about like we're supposed to sleep at night and being awake during the day is bullshit it's an individual thing where like you're just, people have preferences because i have yeah. a preference yeah it's we've talked yeah we have talked about this before and i have I don't know. I'm very conflicted. I guess I have to talk to you about this because I am conflicted in that when I do get up at like 730, no alarm clock. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I went to bed at 10. I, w I woke up at like seven, just woke up and I do get a lot of stuff done very early. But also, if I wake up at 1230, I get a lot of stuff done from like midnight to two. Yes. And like I can, doesn't have to happen at a certain time. That's another thing that people don't think about. And I do want to be like um, the best version of myself. I strive to be that like, you know, Renaissance man living the best life possible that knows <laughs> how to maximize this one shot at life we've got. But when I try to fit into that 8 a.m. mold, I'm like, I got a stomach ache real bad. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I'm just I just do not function like that. Like I wake up immediately and I'm like, I need to watch cartoons for three hours. or I'm going to throw a fucking tantrum right now. That's I. Uh, yeah, I'm the same way. I don't like getting I can't up. ever wake up. And when they, somebody wants me to get up at a time where I don't want to be up, it's like it ruins the night before because then like I'm trying to work myself into going to sleep it's like all right man you got to go to sleep because you have to be up for this funeral okay because that's usually it's it's usually something fairly like so 
it's a funeral, a holiday. We even talked about this in New York when I decided to leave the night before. It's because like if I didn't, I would have to get up early the next day and I would just be miserable and have to drive all day. Well, yeah, it was either drive until six in the morning or sit in your hotel awake until three thirty in the morning, then try to sleep until seven thirty and leave with your family. Yeah. When they get up. Yeah. So that was the that was Night kinda, Owls, man. Woo hoo dee hoo. It's fun. It's Woo-hoo. great. Let's do yeah. some Twit twoo. That's what they say, right? <laughs> Twit twoo. <laughs> that's what the one on uh, Tinga Tinga said. <laughs> no, I. but I do have to say that I don't know where I'm at still. Like, I feel like I am a hybrid where I try to go either way. And I, I more just sleep when I need to. Like, I'll just lay down whenever I have to and grab some Zs if I got to get them. Yeah, I try to do that, too. I did that today. I didn't sleep well. So I was just like, I'm just going to lay down before I go over. I'll catch a few Zs and I'll get up and I'll be fine. I'm fine now. I feel great now. Yeah, I can break it up. But I am still. And my dad was the same way. Like, my dad... Like, I'd be sneaking to wake up in the middle of the night, and he'd be up and eating Oreos and shit, watching some awful kung fu movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would rather be doing fun things. I'd, I'd like, rather be, like, eating, like, at a brunch place sometime. Like, you hear about these really great brunch places, and you're like, "Mm." I get those in, though. I don't. I don't. That's yeah, you, I don't get in. I have to say, I suffer more because of it. Like, I'm just trying to please everybody, and you're like, I only do business between the hours of 4 p.m. and 4 a.m. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like, get up. if you need to talk to me, that's when, I, that's when you can get something. I shoot for, like, noon. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I shoot for noon. kind of overshoot it. I usually hit one, probably. <laughs> okay. And then I, like, get up and I spend about an hour doing my routine. It's not even an hour, really. It's drink a smoothie, drink a pot of coffee. It's probably about a half hour. Make my bed and then I'm ready to do whatever I have to do. I might go walk. I might not. If I go walk, forget about doing any business with me until 5 or 6 o'clock to 4 in the morning. Because <laughs> okay. if I'm walking, I'm gone for like four hours. You can catch me on my phone and I'll respond. But if you need me to like record something, not going to happen. happen. <laughs> so I got some stories. Okay. Stories. So uh, I want to start with this one from Slate. Uh, that I, I, I need to figure out who sends me these things. Um, yeah, so we have to get some sort of system to write it down so we know. Yeah, I should be doing that. I would love to, but I'm just bad at it. I think that's a, I always am. I don't know if people understand that about us and just forgive us for it, but I am so scatterbrained about answering and like giving, you know, proper shout outs. Ooh, now that we mentioned this, this is something I've been wanting to say for like six months. There's a street fight Reddit. So if we want to have a cool place on Reddit, there's lots of folks saying it's the worst place on the internet. We want to prove that the street fight uh, subreddit can be a place uh, for sweeties for sweeties and for uh, yeah, healing and open heartedness and True. fun. Yeah. Just like the group on Facebook, just like this, we're going to repeat the success on uh on reddit so what's the name of the group on reddit though i'll have to give it at the end i'm pulling it up all right i'm gonna i'm gonna start this article that i i got from slate this week that i think you're gonna really dig brett few people are as needy i'm not gonna even say this because it's b crap okay one of the weirdest and most stressful parts about looking for a new job is figuring out how to navigate the power dynamics that exist between employers and job candidates 
I've been writing the workplace advice column, Ask a Manager, for 10 years now, answering questions about everything from how to ask for a raise to what to do if you're allergic to your boss's perfume. One of the most frequent themes in my inbox has been rude and power-tripping behavior from prospective employers during the interview process. In letter after letter, people have written about feelings, feeling obligated to suck it up and deal with it because they think their interviewers hold all the cards. One commonality I've seen is a free-flowing disrespect for candidates' time, like the interviewers who instruct candidates to clear the entire day to wait for a short phone screen or unapologetically leave them waiting for two hours past the scheduled interview time or require candidates to write two dozen mini-essays before they'll even be considered for an interview. Or that one uh, CEO lady that said she texts people at either 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. on a Sunday to see how long it takes them to respond. Exactly. Yeah. And and like this is something I this is something that isn't taught like I've been talking I talked to a few people who have lost their jobs recently and have been putting resumes out and like uh it's the hardest thing in the world. It just feels like I've never I don't think I have the skill to write a resume and I don't know what a perfect resume looks like, but it's like a lot of very high pressure stuff you know i guess it's a perfect resume looks looks different for every person that looks at it um yeah i mean it's really unfortunate because there is a lot of things out there that uh there's a lot of knowledge that is kept by the people at the top and freeze flowly freeze flowly flows freely amongst um you know, the elite people that get this training on resumes and know what that's all about. But for regular folks, especially when it comes to applying for jobs that are only going to pay $11 an hour, um, there isn't the, the person, the person that you're, the person that you're interviewing, the person that's interviewing you that runs HR, they're all so fucking biased. It's like you have no idea who you're dealing with. Yeah. They're all different. Right. And that's the thing that is like, so then you could get all the information that you want for a resume. But how many times have you talked to somebody that you know that's in the business of hiring people that'll say something like, oh, if somebody uses this word in an essay, I immediately, in a resume, I just immediately throw it away. And it's like, well, I mean, that's just your fucking thing. You know, <laughs> that's not their fault. So there is this. Uh, so here's the first question. So here's a person's experience, Brett. Uh, questions ranged from tell me about your life history starting when you were young to who was the biggest influence on you when you were growing up and how to what did your parents do and what did you talk about as a family? Not once did the interviewers ask about my recent job experience or the work I was performing at this organization. They were more interested in what my family discussed around the dinner table growing up. And I think that is a thing that happens in a lot of these more middle class, upper middle class jobs where they're... Or, or like lower level spreadsheet sorts of jobs or small businesses where they're trying to be silly. It's like, oh, we're just, we're a silly company. We no. just ask, you know, we just want to get to know you as a person. We don't need to know about your job history. That don't make no difference, right? I also think it is a weird intrusive thing from somebody that's going to cross over more boundaries. They're asking you these things because they have some sort of weird like gambler's hunch about people and it's like you know what plenty of people came in here said they can code up and down the block and i seen them and i sent them out the door 
But what I want to know is what you talk to your mom and dad about at the dinner table. <laughs> that tells me a hell of a lot more about a man or woman than any sort of resume does. It, yeah, and it reminds me of like somebody that thinks they're super like charming or something like oh, that. Yeah, or that like, they have, I'm, like, I'm, I'm an empath, so uh, all I need to know is where you spent your last vacation spot and what your favorite cocktail is to know whether or not you'd be a fit around here. I'm quirky. I got these like, things, yeah. you know? It's like I found that when somebody drinks a pina colada at a happy hour, they tend to do better at the spreadsheets. They're like, they're at the interview, and they're like, oh, jobs, Blah, I hate it. What what do you what do you like to do? What what kind of uh, extracurricular activities do you have? You know, let's talk about indoor soccer league instead. <laughs> yeah. Also in this category, the interviewer who demanded to look inside a candidate's purse. I like that one. Presumably because he'd be able to draw deep conclusions about her from right. the detritus in her handbag. He's a he, seer. Yeah. He explained that he found this to be the best indicator of how organized a woman is. Then fingered through it, muttered something, and handed the purse back. She didn't get the job. Fuck. How many gigantic ass filled full of receipts and useless punch card wallets did he go through, do you think? Not a single. You're exactly right. They, he didn't look at a dude's wallet. No, he saw a motherfucking guy balancing himself on one butt cheek on this unorganized ass wallet and never thought to be like, what do you got in there? What the fuck is in that wallet that's six inches thick? I like to see how organized you are by going through that, by going through your purse. Like my wife only carries a purse as like a, a accessory. She does. She's not this person that needs to carry a purse everywhere. So it might have a goddamn receipt from fucking 1993 in it. Just a Jolly Rancher one. shaking around in there. Yeah. No, my wife doesn't carry one at all. She just puts her phone in her back pocket. Or wears a dress with pockets. So, yeah, that would be the same. Uh, yes, here at Sternly and Mansfield, uh, we have a different approach to understanding who our interviewees are. Uh, I believe I could learn a lot about your personality if I were to peek into your purse. <laughs> we dig through your private shit to yeah. find out if you're if you're good. Yeah, uh. like, come look at my shed. I mean, my shed looks like <laughs> shit. I wouldn't hire me if you looked at my shed or my basement. But... I can do the job. Yeah. I can still do the job. I'll bet Even he would though never. I, I bet. That, 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 I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I bet this guy would never ask me to empty my back pockets, which is. Yeah. Also. of despair. <laughs> On the jeans I wear every day. That is such an invasion of privacy. That is like. Could, but like that is like saying, can I see your lunch? That's you, Would you mind if I check out what you eat for lunch to see if you're a good person? But that's how they establish. That's the relationship, though. Like, whether or not you want to believe you didn't agree to that, that's what your employer thinks they are. That's what cuts through all of that office humor that Michael Scott, when he says, like, I, you know, I provide for you or whatever, like, you should be thankful. Like, that's really what they think. Like, I'm your dad. And I get to know if you were smoking cigarettes out by the the basketball hoop or not, you know, and you need to be honest because I'll be real disappointed on you. Disappointed. <laughs> I'm going to write you up. I'm going to yeah. put I'm going to take your name. I'm going to put it on a piece of paper says you did something bad. I'm going to put my official signature on it and I'm yeah. going to put it in a folder about you. This really to me, it really shows kind of how much ground you lose when you're we've lost in like our bargaining power with employers because uh, it's like you do have to i mean yeah. listen i'll say this 
that woman, when that guy asked to look in her purse, she kind of had to do it at that point. She did. She did, I feel, because she still needs the job, right? Is this a job that you want? I guess if it was a job I didn't want, I'd be like, fuck you. No, that's an inappropriate thing to ask. But as soon as you say that's an inappropriate thing to ask, you've lost the opportunity. But why do you want that opportunity? You, I just, I, a lot of people that make it to a job interview are so, uh, they think that that's going to be the job. I don't know that like people have the, con- like, no, they I just, have people- met people who have confidence, right? That, that are like, I fight for myself when I'm at a job interview. I, and I do know people like that. And there are people with like degrees and stuff, a person like me or a person like you, dude, you got a degree. I have a bachelor's degree. It's a degree. I understand. So that would, I got zero. But degrees. I, so let's use you as an example, even though a bachelor's doesn't, a bachelor's in sociology doesn't help that much either, but it does it help. Counts. It does help. I agree. But it's like, but a bachelor's degree is not enough for you to say, no, you've acted inappropriate in this interview and for you to still maybe get the job. Like a bachelor's degree doesn't, it used, it did for a while give me a sense of like, I belong here. This is my thing. But the longer you have a bachelor's degree, the more you realize that they're just looking for a master's degree. The whole thing is a fucking scam. Like the bachelor's degree puts you one level up from the high school diploma. But that one level. That's not universal, though. It feels that. I mean, a lot of the jobs I applied for wanted a master's. Well, two yeah, I mean, years of experience in, and yeah, things like that. Yeah, but you're in like the froofy academics. <laughs> so I, uh, I, so like, I just feel like the power, I, I know people that are very confident, but I think the majority of interviews are people who maybe aren't that confident in their sure. skill. No, they get taken, people get taken advantage of, but I'm just going to say the best advice is just to blow up the interview because you don't want to be there anyways. What are you going to do? Work there for eight months and then finally blow up on somebody and be out of a job again? That's true. That's Might as true. well just go to free fucking bread Tuesday and try to make that shit work another week. <laughs> I don't know. I it's like it's it sucks, but like the older you get, you just have to start standing up for yourself and just saying these things I'm just don't deal with anymore and they're, they're red flags and they're so prevalent. I mean, that is the best way to get a job is to put up with some bullshit like this. You're right. I mean, if you want to be gainfully employed, you hand over your purse and uh let it get searched. Yeah, I think that's what the pressure is, though, to, that the reason why it's like I understand why she let this guy look through her purse. Because it's like, I mean, I need a job. I don't have a job. I like if you're coming into a job interview without a job. First of all, if if like you need that job, there's a real feeling of desperation when you're sitting there. Like I, I mean, the few that I did after I got out of college, like I just felt so fucking desperate in that interview for those people to like me and like was willing to put up with any shit. Can I be the guy? Can I be the guy? (laughs) I'll be the guy. I promise. I can be your guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I probably would have the money. I probably would have let them pat me down and search me. (laughs) I mean, dude, they already like get you to go take a pee in a cup for them. You know, they're already able to tell you like, I'm not going to hire you at this job unless you pee in this cup and let me analyze it. Yeah. So uh, then there are the interview. Uh, then there are the interviewers who get so drunk on power that they cast all manners aside and are simply jerks like this guy. My interviewer asked me what my salary range was, so I researched and sent him an email back. 
He replied stating that it was too high, which is what they always do. I've never had somebody tell me it's not too high. So I sent him an email back just asking what an acceptable range would be. At that point, he sent back three paragraphs bashing me, stating that I was high maintenance and full of myself. What the fuck? They that was a test to see whether or not like you value your money. That's what I'm saying. They're looking for somebody to abuse. And somebody that says, like, I do a job that's worth this amount of money. You can't abuse somebody like that. He wants someone that's like, well, really, I just like to have a job and I would do it for whatever you'd pay me, sir. <laughs> that's what he wanted. Oh, my God. That really is the ant. You just gave the right answer. We should just go through these and have you give the right solution. to each. Yeah, that's thing. how you solve that problem. That's you just you- say, like, I'd really like your expert guidance on what someone like me deserves. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what he really oh like, that's what he's looking for if he wasn't looking to hire somebody that is in the appropriate price range no no <laughs> at all oh no what the hell <laughs> you saw our ad and you thought we paid fair rates around here what the shit is your problem i oh that is that's something that's interesting i'd love to hear stories about people asking for the 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 average wage for their job at a lot of job interviews because i know for a fact that when i went to that goddamn camera store i asked for fucking 950 an hour and they talked me down to 860 and it's like you can't even afford to pay me nine fifty an you hour. You don't have an extra seven dollars rolling around here a day. <laughs> yeah, like nine. Yeah, what is that? Like sixty cents or something? Yeah, I've always felt that way. I, you know, what's really ninety pathetic. cents. Yeah, you know what's really pathetic is that the cable company, I knew that they would start me out at $11 an hour, but when I went in, I wrote on the sheet nine fifty an hour and that's what they they hired me for. What? You were trying to be you were once again you were like I honestly I do this for 950. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of raises and like I ended up doing very well there. I probably could have been doing $2 more the whole time. <laughs> better the whole time, but yeah, I just figured like I don't have anything going for me, which I think a lot of people feel when they're looking for jobs, especially entry level work. I think people are looking for a job thinking they will train me when I get in here uh-huh. and then I'll work my way up through the company. <laughs> Unfortunately, the jobs where they will train you do want some sort of knowledge or something or like are judging your judging you on things like what's in your purse no, or I've, something like that. I've totally biffed that too. I re- when I was looking for eBay jobs cuz I had ran an eBay business and so when we moved to Texas and I we're having a baby and all of a sudden I had to get a job. I'm like, well, that's a skill I have that I know people need. And I went to the interview and it was the same thing. It was like the range was nine to $11 based on experience. And I was like, I ran an eBay business for two years and I have like 2000 positive feedback with like, Oh, four over a 4.5 rating and all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, well, but you don't have much experience with our stuff. <laughs> you don't have much experience in the magnet world. So we, we can't bring you in at that higher rate. We have to bring you in at the nine. There's you know? no way to get the higher rate. Like you, like imagine this. I like, so if so, here's what would have happened. Some dude that's been working in the magnet field for like 25 years would have come in there and they'd have been like, we can't hire you at that higher rate. Cause you don't 
really know that much about eBay. So right. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to hire you at that nine dollars an hour. We're gonna have to meet you at the bottom. Yeah. We're gonna have to just meet at the bottom. If they give you a range, you're always getting the low number. You have to be a black belt negotiator to get that higher number. I talked to my wife. She's good. <laughs> oh, my yeah? wife kills it. Well, your wife, again, is another person who has a bunch of accomplishments that can go in there and be like, well, I did this. So and I made this. You know, I'm not just going to not, you know, you know, it's relevant. It is relevant. This conversation to those. She today, uh, she scheduled her first interview. She sent out a whole bunch of res, uh, portfolios yesterday and she got scheduled her first interview. And tonight we were like drinking and then she was just like, I just hope this is the one job I can have for like the next 25 years. That's all anybody <laughs> That's wants. All, you just don't want, cause she's, cause we're talking, we're like working through a game plan and it's like, you know, you interview, get as many offers as you can. Let's see what's available and all of this stuff. But all you really want to do is go to a place and do the thing and have uh, some retirement some college for your kids and food on the fucking table. And you just want it to be simple. And it's, they just make it this fucking purse looking ass bullshit. Right. Yeah. You're exactly right too. I mean, the cable job for me was the retirement job. I wanted to get the fuck. I wanted to just stay there forever and ever. And now a lot of the guys that I worked with are gone too. It's like, it like, those stats they always come out with with like you know the average adult has three career changes in their life now and you're like not because they want to nobody wants a career change until it's forced on them yeah most people i mean you know i understand being disgruntled with your job but we're real all we really are all just looking for like that one super simple stupid thing that we could just do all day long a stable job yeah that isn't going anywhere that is like a business that isn't dying. Cause a lot of times you're like, they or they make you feel that way. Like when I worked at bath and body works, a lot of times they, they would always be trying to make you feel like this business is dying. We need to tighten our strings and stuff. And like everybody I know that works at a major corporation, they don't say it's dying. They would never say it's dying, but they'll say, we, we need to tighten up our bootstraps a little bit. It's getting a little tough. Even if they've done a rock and roll concert with like Toby Keith announcing, that they have the highest profits they've ever had in the history of the company. Yeah, we just had a we had a discussion in that in the Street Fighters group. There was someone that six months ago their boss was just telling them like gangs bat batting down the hatches, the storm is cup coming, business is looking bad, you know, let's not expect a lot of growth. And then recently they've just been talking about this new Tesla that they bought and how great it is and how amazing their trip to Argentina was. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, and then there was someone else that had commented and said, um, like the, the superintendent of their school recently stood up in front of everybody and said, you know, I want you to everybody remember that public schools are a nonprofit, you know, and the money that we get goes back into these children and he was like, because basically all the newspapers I've read in the area says that wages are about to come to a grinding fucking halt, you know? Yeah. So it's just to set you up to be like, yeah, we don't have very much for you. I mean, you def you technically you do the job that makes all the money for us, but we can't help you out this time. <laughs> yeah. the and, and they do freezes a lot of times. Yeah. A lot of times you'll be called into a room until we're doing a freeze. Or oh, no, all, yeah. 
Or it's like when it- the bonus program is coming to an end. Yes. You used to get $1,800 a month bonus, and now that's coming to an end. Last year, or actually every year when I worked at the cable company, people are, this is going to come off like I'm being like a baby or something like that, but it's really not. Every year that I worked at the cable company, they would, in the first paycheck in December, they would give you a hundred extra dollars on your paycheck as like a Christmas bonus. Then the second paycheck in December, they would give you another $100. But on that second $100, they would be like, you know, we really even shouldn't be giving you this. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, would give, they would give you a little bit of grief with it. Yeah. Here's $100 and about $200 worth of grief. They never, exactly. <laughs> they never even told you that this was not a thing that was promised. This, like, yeah, people, we I guess we won't be doing hard hat inspections this year <laughs> because we gave you all these bonuses. People weren't, like, saying this hundred. Because in 2000, between, in the 2000s. When gas oh, was 99 cents? Or, or any part, no, I'm saying in any part of the 2010s or 2000s, right? If you're getting a $100 bonus, you're pretty lucky because a lot of people just aren't getting any bonuses at all. Most places, uh, I don't expect a bonus. I the, mean, that's the, really like an old, like Norman Walk- Rockwell type thing. I'll, I'm going to go really Ohio here, but they'll give you some Cheryl's cookies. They'll, sure. They'll like hand you two. Honey Bay ham. Yeah. Or they'll do a big, the, like the, the, once they want, they would do a big Christmas part, holiday party yeah. when I worked at the company and they would give away a bunch of TVs and Xboxes and shit to the employees which is like i said a lot of that stuff was cool it was just like every other day of the year they were like hey you know we gave you those bonuses we give you that holiday part we might not even have the hot look hey it's not even close to the holidays yet it's just january we might even have that holiday party this year and it's like the cable company is never going out of business (laughs) yeah it's what i would always like get vital service (laughs) yeah i don't we're not going to get kicked out on our asses. <laughs> I I was always so mad about that because I was like, what is like the cable company? People need it. We, they still you've made it. So and even more at that time, everybody has to do business with you and you can raise the fucking prices anytime you want. And everybody's going to be like, oh, fuck this. This is this cable company's raising the prices all the time. And then they don't do anything about it, and right. you just raise the prices. It's not even a public utility. We talked about that story on on a long time ago that happened with me when I wasn't getting an electric bill, and I was like, "This is fucking weird." But like, I don't pay my bills like normal people. I just like I when I get paid, I'm like, "Yeah, we'll pay this one, this one, and this one, and then we'll get the next ones you, next time." You know, you just rank them in list of danger. Yeah, and it's not a daily thing, is what I'm like. It's not. I don't pick a day every month and do it. I just kind of do it on payday, and it's out of the account. That's right? everybody, really. Yeah. Well, I, you know, so like. I didn't realize I hadn't, I guess I didn't realize I hadn't been paying an electric bill, but I had also paid way over. Cause when I was in college, I would pay a lot of money over when I got my loans so that I didn't have to think about the fucking cable bill for that whole semester or the electric bill. Right. So all of a sudden out of nowhere, I get a cable bill for like 700, no, it was $900. Right. 
And I was like, I don't have $900. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't know where I could hustle that. So they're like, well, you can do a payment plan and you can just give us. It was, they were like, you could give us like $200 and then you can pay it off over like a whole bunch of time. Right. And I got fucking pissed about it. And I was like, you didn't send me a bill. You didn't explain this shit to me. That's your fault. Right. You fucked up. Not me. Not me. I was getting the bills and the bills were saying zero dollars. And then you were like, oh, the meter was fucked up. This is how much you owe. So I got pissed. Right. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to the Public Utilities Commission right fucking now. Sat down. I wrote a fucking letter. I I think I typed the letter out. I printed it. I put it in an envelope and I mailed it to the Public Utilities Commission because I was raised to believe that that gets the goods. (laughs) The emails don't get the goods. The real mail gets the goods, right? People take you seriously like this fucking dude will go to the post office. (laughs) So I, uh, He's, He's invested 45 cents in this endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. So... Like a, a two or three weeks later, I fucking got an email back from AEP, not from the Public Utilities Commission, basically being like, seems like somebody's you ratted on us. <laughs> yeah, we heard you were trying to tell. <laughs> well, I'm just here to tell you that there's nothing we can do about it, so nothing's going to happen. I never heard from the Public Utilities Commission in Columbus, ever, not a single time. And this whole thing, they fucking got it. I bet you, it. I'll bet you it's just you send something to the Public Utilities Commission of, of Ohio or whatever. It goes to a place and then it's just forwarded right to right. AP and AOP. They just set up a forward. They're like, well, we could cut a lot of government spending if we just set a forwarding account from this government office to AEP directly. <laughs> they can handle the, all their own complaints. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, man. What an infuriating, like, because somebody in the Street Fighters group was asking about calling their labor board in their town. And that's been, that's something that I've talked about a million times. Every time I've lost a job, I'm thinking about going to the labor board, (laughs) like from McDonald's all the way to the camera store, probably. But I always think like, does that get anything done? Like, is the labor board even going to fucking do anything? I'm like led to believe that they don't do shit. You know? Well, I mean, you should try. I know. I know. I, I told that person I would try, you know, I would do it. See what happens. Yeah. But I better feel than like, doing nothing better yeah. than watching um, Netflix. Mm, I don't know if it's better than watching Netflix. Sure like it's is. better to get the problem solved than watching Netflix, but I much prefer watching Netflix. Over. I, yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. I mean, you might as well prioritize your time fucking somebody like that over for a little bit. If it's so just he, a phone call. Yeah. Here's, here's some more interview stories for you, Brett. And what I later learned was a test for the job. The lead person on the interview panel suddenly yelled fire and the entire panel got up and started running around the room like what? crazy people. I promptly got my phone out and dialed 911. They stopped dead in their tracks when I was on the phone to 911 and got upset because it wasn't a real fire. What? They were just trying to see what my reaction was to emergency situation, which was not part of the job by any stretch of the imagination. Pressure under fire. Yeah. Can you deliver like are you gonna like push like women and children into the fire are you going to build a barrier are you gonna throw yourself on the fire what i love that they're like 
Brian, you knew that wasn't us really saying there was a fire. Why did you call 911? Yeah, now you've gotten us in trouble. Okay? Now we're going to have a false alarm. We had the same thing with a group last week. Another Brian with a Y. You know, you're trouble. Yeah. Here's the last story here. <laughs> that's uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. I just can't imagine doing that. Yeah. Under any circumstances would in that. But the, the environments of work, though, in that. So uh, moving around the country and trying to make friends with people is very complicated because you want to let your hair down and you want to kind of be yourself and fart and do drugs and drink too much and be problematic and all those things. And it's kind of hard to warm your way into that. But when it comes to work, you're kind of creating more of a sanitized environment. You want it to be something that everybody can just be there and be and be a cog in the gear in the machine and just go along with it. And so when you go along to get along, you just get too much into that like mob mentality where you're like all of a sudden screaming fire at a group of people to test their fortitude. My my I would wonder if it was just like the guy that isn't this sounds like such a small business tyrant situation. Michael to Scott. Me. It really is yeah. Michael Scott. It sounds like a tyrant situation where one person thinks that that's a really cool thing. And yeah, everybody else at the table is like a few steps under that person on the hierarchy. And right. they're just like they have to get a check too. fire. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, I, mean, I guess you'd learn a lot about somebody to see how they handled an emergency situation. They That's right, boss. Weird. So, uh, Here's the last. This one is fucking crazy, Brett. You you didn't get the job. You didn't yeah. get the job. You called nine one one. You should get the motherfucking boss's I know. job if you called nine one one. That's right. like the perfect. Other people just run around and start shuffling papers and shit. It's like where? Where's the fire? They're like grabbing of water bottles and shit. Yeah, yeah. It ain't hot in here. I don't know what you're talking about. We need to finish this. They wanted somebody to say no. We need to finish this interview. This is too important to me. I will die for this company. Yeah. Fire's no reason to stop working, anybody. Let's stop this bullshit and wait until the flames are licking at the back of our heels. Yeah, I'll get out of this place. I know what to do. I'll leave when the job's done, goddammit. What I'll do is tell that fire to get the fuck out of here. Excuse my French. Holy I love this guy that just like, take me to where the work's happened. If all your coward employees are going to leave, I'll sit down and I'll fill out that goddamn spreadsheet. I'm going to rub myself down with fire-resistant jelly and close all of these accounts tonight as the building burns around down into ashes around me. (laughs) You guys all go. I'll lock up when I'm done fighting this fire this property means the most to me that's what they wanted they wanted a real hero yeah somebody that was like gonna really take one for the team on that here's one that i think would this is the last one blake you get the job the range was nine to eleven we're gonna give you nine fifty. yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah (laughs) he's a unicorn okay so here's the last one this is one that could end in murder i believe i really think they made 20 final candidates cook dinner for and entertain the, entertain the senior staff at the executive director's house. Ooh. We were given two and a half hours to plan, shop, and cook for 40. It wasn't clear if it was supposed to be an evaluation of our skills, but the senior staff spent the majority of the night drinking and dancing. That sounds 
like a weird rich people like hazing ceremony. That sounds like an Ivy League like fraternity sorority thing. Yeah, we've got like, these desperate poor people in here that are trying to get a job, and we had them do Chopped for us. Let's make these fucking losers have a party for us. Fuck them. We'll tell them it's the interview. <laughs> Fuck them. I like that. Fuck them. We'll tell Fuck them one em. of them. We'll get I mean, we can yeah. give one of them a job. Fire them in six yeah. months. We can make someone of an, an administrative assistant or something. Yeah. <laughs> we can make them. Dinner a- for 20. It wasn't a, It wasn't a cooking job. Why would it have the Iron Chef rules, too? I know. Why give us two and a half hours? Because that's what that's they were like, fucking doing. They were what, dicking around. Yeah, that's what I want to say. This is what I'm trying to say, though. Because if you find yourself in that situation, it means that you're interviewing for a company where some shithead didn't plan for the executive function and also you know, didn't know how to interview properly interview all of you. And it's just like, I'll fucking combine the two, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's the type of people you're dealing with now. Yeah. You don't want to... I would... What do you imagine working for that place is like? I mean, the the liberties they would take with your job. Like, it's one of those... Like, we all have had jobs where they basically tell you your your job description also includes additional duties. You know what I mean? When you're like, well, what's my job? Like, they'd be like, Brian, I need you to go and... uh, install this cable for this person in this house right now and i'm like well i'm not an installer i'm a service technician i only fix things i that's not in my job description they're like um you should read your job description because it says service and maintain cable and additional duties this falls under additional duties right clean (laughs) clean the barnacles off the boss's boat yeah this falls under additional duties they should let's fucking we need to make a law that says you have to like spell out your job requirements and fucking additional duties is outlawed. Like you need to, they need to, they should have to fucking tell you exactly what you're there for. It shouldn't be allowed to be some nebulous fucking thing. I shouldn't like, if I decide I'm going to go work at the spreadsheet place and I'm filling out spreadsheets or whatever. And they're like, Hey, can you vacuum the floor up here? It's kind of like, no, I fucking can't. Did I sign up to vacuum floors? That's like when they would make me clean my van at the cable company. It's like, fuck you, man. I ain't a car washer. I know detailer. I'm a cable guy. I fucking install the cable. That's what I do. I'm not fucking going to check my oil and fucking maintain my car. I'm not a fucking mechanic, but they would all be like, well, that's a part of additional duties. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like, why? I've been fucking made to do so many weird jobs under the guise of additional duties in my life cleaning up fucking dead bugs like that was disgusting man it sounds cool actually like a whole bunch like <laughs> like a lot of like them like you could scoop them up with a shovel yeah i got in trouble i you worked at this place for things. like 2 weeks and there's a fucking enormous pile of dead bugs around like the uh where the windows are and I get in fucking trouble for the dead bugs. I'm like, motherfucker, these bugs have been here for fucking ever. This yeah. isn't me. I, I didn't even fucking know we were supposed to clean the bugs up. They've been here for so long. <laughs> sure. <laughs> those bugs are mummies at this point. <laughs> yeah, those bug spirits are already dead. <laughs> yeah. They, they've gone and went. They're covered in dust. Oh, capitalism is up to its old games this week, Brett. Sure. CNBC reported... Uh, 
Goldman Sachs asks in biotech research report so that, you know, they do those research reports to see what they should invest in, which is like, that's a job that could be eliminated right now. So like somebody's working on biotech and then there's somebody else that makes a living being like, is that really worth doing? Yeah. <laughs> like That's their job. And, and the question they ask in this thing is curing patients a sustainable business model? Oh, so good. To, I mean, maybe not. Maybe it, not. I could see how it could be a problem paying to fix people. It's pretty pricey. Pretty pricey. The potential to deliver one-shot cures is one of the most attractive aspects of gene therapy, genetically engineered cell therapy, and gene editing. Okay. However, such treatments offer a very different outlook with regard to recurring revenues versus chronic therapies. Oh, I didn't know we were going down this route. This sounds like a good sci-fi novel. <laughs> so they're, they're saying that would it be – this is kind of like why they haven't cured cancer. Because then they wouldn't be able to sell cancer drugs. Yeah. While this proposition carries tremendous value for patients in society, it could represent a challenge for genome medicine developers looking for sustained cash flow. Just charge them a ton of money and put them on a payment plan. That's. <laughs> we can't get any more payment plans. You got to put them on payment plans. We can't get any more. We don't have space for them anymore. We no, have there's too many no room. new builds. There's no more. We've got our phones on a payment plan. We got our cable on a payment plan. We got our Netflix on a. Ca like, I've been starting to think about all the things that automatically come out of my account, like how much all my various subscription services are. And I'm like, fuck, man. You're tied, man. You're tied to the wheel of suffering, man. <laughs> It's you so got to keep churning. You yeah. got to keep making money. Otherwise, because about, you know, a hundred and some dollars worth of shit is coming out this month if you don't. Oh, my God. This is bad. Listen to this. Richter cited Gilead Sciences treatment for hepatitis C, which achieved cure rates of more than 90%. The company's U.S. Uh. sales for these hepatitis C treatments peaked at $12.5 billion in 2015, but have been falling ever since. Goldman estimates the U.S. sales for these treatments will be less than $4 billion this year, according to a table in the report. Guild is a case in point where the success of its hepatitis C franchise has gradually exhausted the available pool of treatable patients. Man, how great would it be to get a gigantic wrecking ball and just smash the fuck out of that fucking place? I know. That place is such a stain on humanity. It's, it's disgusting that we have those conversations. It's just... It's just shows a, uh, I mean, just a lack of education and fundamental understanding of existence. Like we leave people so disillusioned and alone to the point where they're like, we're all just, uh, we're all just, uh, an asset of the United States government and the healthcare system. You know, we're just all, we're just all numbers on a balance sheet. Yeah. For That's real. what they think. In the case and, of infectious diseases such as hepatitis C, curing existence pa existing patients also decreases the number of carriers able to transmit the virus to new patients. Thus, the incident pool also declines. Where an incident pool remains stable, the potential for a cure poses less risk to the sustainability of a franchise. 
they're calling medicine a franchise. Like, yeah, like it's fucking just like Iron Man. If people don't want to watch Iron Man no more, then we ain't going to have to. We ain't going to be able to make no more Iron Man's. Lipitor just did an exclusive contract with Birkenstock sandals. Okay, people know that's a name they can trust. You know, (laughs) people want their Selexa. You know, they don't want the generic. They want the the name brand. They live a Selexa life. So they do have three potential solutions. Solution one, address large markets. Hemophilia is a nine to ten billion dollar market. They are fucking picking diseases and being like, now that right there, that is incurable. There's <laughs> money in that. We can get monthly payments out of them. Address disorders with high incidence, spinal muscular atrophy, affects the cells in the spinal cord, impacting the ability to walk, eat, or breathe. Yes, that would be nice if you fucking did that. That would be a really great thing to do, but not just because Goldman Sachs won't see you as an attractive place to invest money. Capitalism fucking sucks, dude. Yeah, this is the worst possible way to allocate this money. Yes. Yes. I mean, we need... Why aren't those fucking people aren't spending their time trying to solve the problem, right? Like, they should be at least the research assistants to the people that are trying to solve these things. We have no need for someone to speculate on it, you know, on whether the cost effectiveness of it. No, it's gross as fuck to think about somebody speculating on, like... Oh, maybe we should like that. What didn't they do that? They just recently get one of the companies gave up on Alzheimer's medicine, probably because it wasn't profitable enough. It's like, well, we could still use it, you know, like it's not a wash because it doesn't make twelve billion dollars. We're talking about something that made four billion fucking dollars. Fuck. That's a lot of money. That's fine. $4 $4 billion is fine. What is the difference between $4 billion and $12 billion? I understand it's like $8 billion, but I'm saying like, you can live on four. You're going to be fucking okay on four, okay? The four will be fine. Yeah, We don't need the 18 anymore. You solved a fucking disease. Like, that'll get you a few free beers at the bar. Mm, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah. You, you could disease- say that people that are cured would be grateful and people who may be cured in the future would be grateful. But what about investors who would be pissed? Yeah, that's you know? true. It's like, what the fuck, dude? We didn't tell you to go and cure Alzheimer's. Jeez, fuck. We had a pill. We wanted you to sell them on this pill. <laughs> like, the conspiracy stuff is... Like that is considered a conspiracy that the the money is in the treatment and not the cure sort of thing. But when you read stuff like that, it's it, it's like no, they're right. I mean, it's, yeah, they're and and maybe it's even subconscious, you know, because now the biotech firms read the report from Goldman Sachs and they have to do the things right. that Goldman Sachs has suggested. It creates the condition where the conspiracy is fucking true, right? Yeah, all of a sudden it's like, well, why would we spend any time on Alzheimer's? It seems like a, it's a, it's a gold mine that's been tapped, you know? Right. Yeah. Let's find something else to exploit. God, that that's depressing. What a fucking story. Did you hear about Starbucks this week? I didn't hear about anything this week. Oh, you didn't hear about so uh, Starbucks dragging the guy out? Yeah, dragging the dragging Go two ahead. black dudes out. Yeah. Um. So I saw the story where it was like uh. Starbucks says two guys it, went in there and sat. 
Well, they didn't even sit. They said, can I go to the bathroom? They were meeting with somebody about some real estate. They were meeting with some dude about some real estate. They didn't want no, They didn't want to buy no coffee, but he was buying coffee, which is fine. That's sure. That's the start. You shouldn't have to buy the coffee if you're meeting somebody at Starbucks. That's never been I've in my experience, I've never had them like accost me for not buying something, right? I'm I've never met a Starbucks employee that gave a fuck about any of that. <laughs> I know. I've seen people sleeping in Starbucks yeah. before. They just don't but I well, guess that's, yeah, I mean that's old pale face old privilege. A couple of white folks, yeah, yeah, or white ladies are allowed to do that all day and all night. Can you? Can I use the bedroom, ma'am? It is. They Opies. are closing all their stores. Though. Starbucks is so yeah. That's why. That's why Starbucks says it will close its eight thousand company-owned stores in the United States for one afternoon to educate the employees oh. about racial bias. Oh, that okay. The announcement. But this is gonna. I mean, you're going to look, don't look at Facebook already, on that day. Please. Oh don't my look God. At it's going to go nuclear. <laughs> well, I mean, even your like more liberal friends that like to get their Starbucks in the morning are probably going to say some stuff that is going to be pretty vile. Yeah. I, it's just my guess. I mean, just as a person who sees the worst in people every day on Facebook, <laughs> I'm, I'm I, as soon as I saw this, that they were going to close all the stores one day, I was like, this is. Yeah, this is scary. It's going to be some ugly memes that day. This is going to be a tough day. Uh, Yeah, this is... Didn't they already address this, though, when they asked people to write, like, racial questions on the cups or whatever? Didn't they do that at one time? (laughs) Were they, like, trying to get you to be like, you know, can I touch your hair, Y or N, on the cup? (laughs) I didn't know they did that. They did. They tried to have some sort of racial conversation on their cups. You know, they wanted to, like, why do you smell like a wet dog when you get out of the shower? (laughs) What a disgusting story, though. It was really, I don't know. There's protests in Philly, so, you know, check out the Starbucks. You know, maybe if they're protesting, go. I They did fire the woman that the manager that did it. So what? Yeah. What was the story? So they went in and asked and if they could use the bathroom. And she said, no. OK. And then she said, I'm going to ask you guys to leave because you're not buying anything. And they were like, well, we're meeting with somebody. And she was like, yeah, you're still you're going to have to leave. You can't just be hanging around in here. We don't let people loiter in the Starbucks, which is like, that's a lie. It like, <laughs> Yeah, that's all anybody's ever doing. I see people take fucking Mark Pies in there and eat it without ever talking to the cashier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people. Starbucks is already, if we got a like little bit of overflow cafeteria. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go if ahead. we got a little bit of a. Uh, I mean, it, it is basically nationalized in a way that, like, they can't control what happens inside those places. We just need to get the money now. The employees need to own it now. But Star- the, it's like we have decided that Starbucks is a public space. It's a library. It's it like is. a co-working space for people that can't afford to pay a monthly fee for a co-working space. It really is. It's the best. I mean, coffee shops are the best place to work. I prefer other. Well, you know, Starbucks, I hate to be like pro Starbucks and that working thing, but they tend to be quieter than other coffee shops. Like, I don't know what that is. They set a vibe in there that people aren't yelling yeah, the whole time. A little more buttoned up yeah. than the surly coffee houses. Because I go to some coffee houses and it's the fucking, like the one place I like to work at is so loud. I don't know why I like to work there. I just, I think I like the coffee, but it's like, oh, 
come on, guys. Let's keep it down. So, yeah, I just so wanted one to... hour. They're going to talk to them about one day, a whole day, a whole day. I think it's an hour. No, it's a whole the fucking place is closed all day on May 29th. I mean, no Starbucks. You can't go get Starbucks if you want Starbucks on May 29th. Woo! I'm excited about this. I got to know. That's one manager caused that whole one racist lady caused the whole thing. Like one racist lady kicked a couple because that lady, I read a story. I read a story later. Problem. What's it's like. I you know what I don't know I understand the machinations at work behind all of this type of shit but then I oh I just can't the one person in that situation I just want to grab them and fucking shake them so hard if they're like speculating on healthcare or if they're telling somebody that's about to meet a real estate agent at, at a Starbucks which happens every single day like right I've signed leases at Starbucks before. yeah I've done all kinds of business at Starbucks before. I picked up a a, 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 a a bone stimulator at Starbucks once for my wrist. It was like a thing I stuck oh, on. Oh, like the hook? Or, yeah, oh. some weird thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I so I read this story from uh, – it's a woman from Philly that used to work at the same place. She was the only black employee that was under the – one. so there were two black employees at the whole place, which says a lot because – the manager of the place hires people. Starbucks corporate doesn't hire the people. So if you're if you're at a place in Philadelphia and you can only find two black people to work, that's probably because you're only hiring white people. You know, like there there's always a certain amount of profiling with jobs. I just tend to think if you're in a if you're in a major city, you could probably balance out you could have some diversity in your workspace. You know what I mean? Sure. It's not hard. It's not hard in Ohio. It's it just it is very weird. It is very weird that only two there. And then she said the other lady was somebody that she couldn't fuck with. They were like kind of on the same level or whatever. So she this woman was a manager. She was an ex manager. She got demoted and she lost a she lost her money as soon as the lady started. It was a very it's a very the story was I have it right here. Um, so, uh, where is it at? God damn it. Okay, here we go. Staff said that their new boss was controlling, aggressive, and emotional, but Cash said that special disdain was reserved for her. That her, the woman's last name is Cash that, uh, um, worked there. Uh, Holly always looked for things to complain about and was constantly nitpicking about minor things. I could never do anything right for her, she said. One time I ordered an extra sleeve of cups and she went off and gave me a written warning without even though we would use them anyway. Yeah. Cash said she was the only black employee at the stores besides an assistant manager who was too senior for her boss to mess with and worked opposite shifts to Hilton. So the other... They, she also worked an opposite shift with winter approaching and her patients wearing thin. The mother of three decided to transfer to us. So she ended up transferring out of there. The woman kind of basically chased her out of there. And then they went through the woman's uh, Facebook post where she was complaining about Mexicans and Arabs ordering food and stuff like that. So it was just one of those situations where like somebody got in charge. Uh, they didn't have any kind of like decorum. Yeah. They, well, I mean, they just wanted, they wanted those guys out of there. They didn't yeah. want them there. They saw them as a threat and they called the fucking police and it happened. And the police didn't just come up. Uh, 
I know that this is crazy, but the police didn't just come in and be like, this lady's racist. I mean, come on. You know, when she talked about the guys, like the guys didn't look like they were doing anything wrong. The police just came in and arrested them anyway. Right. God, the police love. They just love arresting black guys. They just love it. It's crazy. But I mean, that's the status quo. That is the status quo. Let's take a look at what's going on in Ohio. Somebody sent us a story this week from the Mockingbird paper, which is a good anarchist paper. And uh, it, we were out of town, so we didn't see this happen. But our mayor, Mayor Ginther, who is a uh, Democrat, but Demo- like, Democrat. He is a Democrat, Brad. He's, he's the kind of Democrat. He, well, he's a Democrat. He's, he's a Democrat? He is absolutely a Democrat, yeah. Oh, God. He comes off like such a Republican. (laughs) He does. He really does. I mean, yeah. Nothing about. Oh, man. When Andy Ginther unveiled his infrastructure capital improvement plan for 2018 last week, he failed to mention how it would enable the police to hear and see everything you see and do on any street in the city. While the only direct surveillance cost listed in the promotional material is $1 million to be spent on a gunfire detection system, the amount... (laughs) Is the amount as much? What is a gunfire detection system? It's just microphones that they put at like problematic corners that can report when a gunfire happens. Okay. An additional $5 million for police is hidden in the electricity budget for 2018 with an additional $1.7 million to to be spent on yet more capital improvements by fiscal year 2022. These debt funded disbursements are for the installation of physical things, not additional operating expenses and are not part of the police budgets for new substations, radios, cars, or surveillance friendly body cameras. The 2018, 2023 capital improvement budget is provided at the end of this article. The bulk of the money is hidden in a budget line able dop streetlight program the columbus division of police involved in public utilities and why this is hidden in the electricity and utilities utility section of the budget actual street fights are street lights are now police equipment so they can police can you do anything they want with street lights in the city and there's quite a and, bit of them yeah including putting cameras and listening devices on them the world leader in intelligent street lights is general electric a very evil company by the way i'm just gonna come in there and say fuck general electric they make missiles and shit they make street lights that are low power consumption led lamps that turn themselves on and off as needed they also have seismic sensors for footsteps microphones and cameras built right in this is most likely to be where the additional $5 million is going. The the product is called City IQ and incorporates Wi-Fi hotspots. This could have given every single person in the city free internet if they... If they were planning on doing this, they would have announced it. Instead, the Wi-Fi hotspot will note the passing of every phone and this this know who who was there when. Allow... Whoa. (laughs) That was tough. Also, it could be used to selectively allow connections by phones in order to monitor people's communications as they walk down the street texting because they do not want to be overheard by the included microphones. So basically, they're installing microphones and cameras on all the light poles in Columbus. And Wi-Fi data scrapers to, like, grab all your phone activity as well. That's fucked up, I think. Yeah, that's the bad kind of future. He's a Democrat. That's our Democrat mayor who's going to be a Democrat mayor for fucking ever because that's who our mayors are all the time mike coleman was mayor for a thousand years andy genther is going to be the mayor forever and he just 
I mean, he will do anything for the police department, Brett. <laughs> yeah, that sucks because, uh, well, I spent a good amount of time in D.C. at a place that had cameras up on the street corners. And there was signs everywhere that said, warning, you are being recorded and explained all of your rights on like this fucking metal rusty sign on the wall. And it's so dehumanizing. Yeah. And there's nothing about it that doesn't make you want to fucking, you know, revolt. Yeah. It really, I mean, that is so fucking uh, just. That's when, like, I used to make fun of the thing where they were like, make yourself invisible to surveillance cameras. Those, like, things you could put over your face and stuff like that. Now I'm like, "Mm." yeah, makeup and stuff. Now I'm like, that shit makes sense now. You start to wear makeup, I guess. I'm, like, not huge. But here's the thing, dude. I don't freak out about my privacy online or anything like that. I'm not because I'm a sort of a kind of a public figure. I just don't worry about like privacy the same way others do. But uh, I think that like I do worry about microphones and cameras being able to record me all over the city. I don't. I don't like that. I don't. I like don't want to be on TV all the fucking time. I don't want the state to have access to everything. I mean, you could well, use that shit for anything. Yeah. And especially because they have the stupidest fucking ideas about all the things I like to do. Yeah. You know? That's true too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, digging into when, where I'm, when I'm buying weed or drugs or, you know, having a beer and driving, like they're fucking not the type of people that I want to know what I'm up to. Well, speaking of that, let's do one last story and get out of here. Okay. I got one for you here. Okay. <laughs> You just, you really, you you segued perfectly into the story. A Republican state senator is advocating that Kentucky legalize and regulate marijuana to create millions of dollars in tax revenue, citing Colorado's example, which could be used to address the state's public pension crisis. However, in a radio interview this week, Governor Matt Bevin also cited the example of Colorado to argue why Kentucky should not follow suit, claiming that state emergency rooms are being overrun by patients who have overdosed on marijuana really i didn't hear that <laughs> i've not heard that breaking news yeah last week senator dan dan Seum, r louisville announced that he supported the legalization of marijuana in kentucky to help the state's troubled public pension plans which have a total underfunded unfunded liability of roughly three billion dollars citing the 100 million dollar in tax revenue that colorado has been able to produce but when asked by whas radio host terry miners in an interview on tuesday if he favored legislation to legalize marijuana or expand gaming to create more revenue for pensions bevin said that these options were off the table so a lot of toked up people gambling that's the solution for kentucky replied bevin i say no and no not while i'm governor those are suckers bets we're not gonna legalize marijuana in this state what a fucking idiot (laughs) it's crazy because they can keep going i mean those people still have a seat at the table for a long time yeah governors get to keep their jobs for a very for it seems like forever <laughs> but it's but uh, like it's just how much longer can they deny it i mean there's just millions of pounds of marijuana somebody sent us a a, a message on snapchat they bought 10 grams of weed for 18 dollars in oregon because they <laughs> just have way too much fucking weed up there yeah and so and but there aren't there aren't emergency rooms filled with people there's nobody is causing a problem with this shit, you know? 
Like yeah. they just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's infuriating because it's like they should have, has he ever smoked weed? Does he really know what it's like? Well, here, here's this. Can we but, make him, can we hold him down and make him smoke weed? Here's a quote. THC content in marijuana is not like it was even a generation oh, ago, said Bevan. There are people overdosing based on ingestion of products that are edibles and things. Oh, you have God. that state being sued by at last by at least two of their border states. You have law enforcement people in emergency rooms being overrun by problems. You have homelessness spiking in that state. That is gentrification, by the way. That's has nothing. I mean, the the people moving, the rich people moving moving to Colorado so they could get weed and because it's the new place to live might be spiking the homelessness. Like when housing prices go up, yeah. homelessness spikes. It doesn't have anything to do with fucking weed. Yeah, and um, that's not overdosing, man. That's just learning a lot about yourself and having some hard truths come to light even though you didn't want them to. Yeah, and even people in co- asked about Bevan's description of how Colorado's legalization of marijuana in 2014 has affected the state. Dr. Daniel Vigil, who manages the Marijuana Health Monitoring and Research Program at the Colorado Department of Public Health, told it, it, told him in a lengthy statement that Colorado's government had adapted and refined its regulations to overcome some of the early challenges it faced. What Mr. Bevan may be referring to is an increase in calls to the Poison Center and visits to emergency departments related to marijuana, said Vigil, adding that these are not overdoses comparable to an opioid overdose, and a better term is overconsumption. Which is, we've been saying that for a hundred, for fucking, as long as I've been alive, for as long as I've been smoking weed, we've been saying it's not an overdose. You don't overdose. You just fucking get weirded out. That's what happens on marijuana. Fucking people take it and they they take too much and they get fucking weirded out. That's not an overdose, Brett. Yeah, and that's not a problem with everybody else that does it. That's what you did. You know, like that's you did too much. Yeah. So. Yeah, <laughs> this fucking guy, man. This fucking THC. What the heck, dude? Back in my day, man, you get a little bit of groovy on a J bone or something. You know, you got a little bit of a headache. He said, "What is Kentucky gonna be a place where people are token and get token up and gambling?" And I'm like, "That fucking sounds rad." That's what that I'm waiting for. That that's isn't where that I'm. Adult, that's where I'm gonna move. Isn't that adult fun? Yeah. Like, isn't why is adult that's adult fun. Like, what do you, I'm not, listen, I know you want us all to go see the latest Marvel, but some adults just like to go out and do drugs and fucking gamble. Dangerous shit. Yeah. I might go it's see the Marvel. Dangerous. It's not dangerous, but it's adult. It's not for kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a family fucking thing to do. And not everything has to be a family thing to right, do. Right. There are things that adults can do together and have fun with each other. We're allowed to do that. It doesn't have to be a fucking constant grind. And then the only time you get to hang out with other adults is when you're sitting around a table at a fucking playground while your kids are on a swing. You're allowed to fucking do things, you know? Yeah. And it, I mean, there's just weed is so boring. These, I mean, you look at what people are doing with it and they're just not. They're not getting weird, you know, like not you got to really. go to the hard stuff. If you want to have like some Frank Zappa, if you want to like break new boundaries with arts and shit, you're not doing it on fucking weed, man. Yeah. 
I mean, you got to eat a lot of edibles before you get crazy. That's true. A lot of edibles will fucking make you go wild. (laughs) But you're, I mean, but like for the most part, like what's happening in those legal states, people wake up, they get a little bit mellow and they live their fucking normal ass, wake up, go to work, make dinner and go to bed life that we all do. Yeah, we were there. I, I know it. there was I, I, nobody freaked out. No, I mean, no, nobody said out loud like I'm so fucking high, man. You when know? I was in New York, I was standing outside Littlefield. This guy was just standing there like smoking a cigarette. And all of a sudden he just fell on the ground like a ton of bricks. Just it made the loudest fucking noise that happened. Yeah, that was alcohol. It was alcohol. <laughs> yeah, it was alcohol. And it's just like the shit. It's already happening out there, you know. I didn't. I thought people seemed a lot more under control in Colorado than I did in, say, New Orleans. I felt like, oh yeah, people huge f- difference. Throwing up all over the ground at ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You like go grab a fucking donut and a coffee, and someone's losing their lunch all over the patio. I know they're different places or whatever, but I'm just comparing like a place where maybe the primary attraction now for nightlife or the primary thing that people are doing is weed, in a place where the primary attraction is alcohol are very different places and I, I feel like the places with weed are uh, I mean honestly more wholesome weed is a more wholesome drug than sure. alcohol will ever be yeah I mean you don't get to escape from nothing on weed I mean that's why people don't like it you gotta like deal with everything that's in your fucking mind it starts scrubbing the cobwebs out and saying like what do you got in this disgusting fucking brain here <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like most people like you hear about those marijuana mobs and shit like that because it's fun. Like playing with kids when you're stoned. Oh yeah. I love it. Like it's the most amazing thing. It makes it easier too, because everything that kids like is fucking boring to adults and stupid. And you've already done it before. And there's literally nothing that can make it new again, besides being on a whole bunch of THC. (laughs) Yeah. I'm on I mean, I'm seeing it different now. Yeah. Yeah. Now that this, this fucking light, light up play school drum set is actually kind of fucking chill. Now that I've, had this marijuana brownie. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm playing the songs on this little piano. This do, little, do, little ding, do, ding ding ding. Yeah, I'm playing. Do, 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 <laughs> and then your kids fucking, they're going crazy about it. Like they can't believe it. They think you're a fucking musician because you played Hot Cross Buns on some. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Well, that's it, man. I, I will say this about Hot Cross Buns. There's this commercial that shows up on my Hulu, or not on Hulu, on Sling all the time, of a guy playing uh, violin, uh-huh. and I've only ever seen it when I'm high and watching wrestling, and I somehow convinced myself, weirdly, that he was just playing a fancy version of Hot Cross Buns, <laughs> and now every time I see it, just, I fucking think this guy's playing Hot, Hot Cross, Cross Buns, Buns, and that's all I hear over it. It can't be hot cross buns. It would be neat if a guy was like, I'm going to fucking trick out hot cross buns, but I don't think that's what it is. It's what it sounds like. Yeah. I just, my brain did that. Stravinsky's hot cross buns. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're going to keep keeping on doing this show every single week. Streetfireradio.com to find the most current episodes patreon.com slash street fight radio to get our bonus episodes and access to our digital zine the finance zine is coming out shortly we're working on finishing that up the science zine is in the mail for those of you that got charged on march 1st (laughs) you know there's been a delay because we spent two weeks out of town Uh, it's all in the mail coming your way so do not worry we did not forget about you we're going to keep this moving uh 
We are Street Fire Radio. Peace. You push your limit, you cross the line.